0: and join us now as we explore God's holy word.
1: Hey, man! Welcome to the cafe. Thank you for joining me. It's good to be here today. Hope you're having a great week, a great month, a great year, great everything. It's just so good to be here today to have you with me to dive into God's word. Amen. That's what we're here for. And uh, look, we'll get right to it. Amen. This week we've been in Ephesians chapter 1 looking at this idea of the down payment from God and the idea that we are bought with a price and the idea that we are bond slaves or prisoners of Christ and how Paul so elegantly helps us understand all of these principles that God has us living today. People say, oh, the Bible was written so long ago. No, literally, this is about today. It's about today, because if you've been saved, you have him, he, the Holy Spirit living within you. And if you haven't been saved, you can have him, he, the Holy Spirit living within you. And once you have that Holy Spirit, your life will never be the same. And God is telling you through his word that, look, I'm giving you a down payment of what's to come. Ephesians 1, 13 through 14, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory." And so we see that that Holy Spirit is the one that's living within those that believe on Christ. We see that it is a good faith deposit. Amen. It is a surety. It is a person that has made himself responsible for another. That is what Christ did as a bondsman. Okay, a bondsman. And so he said, I'm going to pay their sin debt that they can't pay. And a bondsman, what they do is they're... Covering that debtor's failure, and they are compelled to pay for that or damages. And that's what Father God sent Jesus Christ to do on the cross. It's what Christ did on the cross, past tense, amen. He died for your sins. It's already been done. He's presenting a free gift of salvation. You're willing to accept it. You believe that you have a sin debt you can't pay. You believe that you're a sinner, and that's hard to admit. Pride gets in the way. Arrogance gets in the way. The world gets in the way. Family could get in the way. Even the church can get in the way. If anyone thinking anything's wrong with them. But if we don't believe something is wrong with us, we'll never be saved. And that is why there's debate about things like um, the depravity of man. Are we depraved, right? And some people say, oh, no, no, man is generally good and everything's fine. Well, if you believe man is generally good and everything's fine, you get in the Bible, There, I believe it's the book of Isaiah, where uh, we're told that our righteousness, man's righteousness, is as filthy rags, as dirty gauze pads to God. Uh, The idea of the substitutionary death is debated. The idea that Christ actually had to die on the cross for mankind is debated, which is ridiculous because if Christ is God, he didn't have to die on the cross. He obediently did. Why would he offer his life if not for to save the lost? Amen. Which is clearly what he says throughout Scripture. All Scripture is so clear once you simply believe it at face value and have faith that God is who he says he is, and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him to quote Hebrews 11:6, And so we see that God has a plan for us, that we are bought by the blood of Christ, we are purchased, and that he gives us the Holy Spirit as that down payment of what we will receive in heaven. And we see that the Holy Spirit is a He. He is the third part of the Holy Trinity, the fullness of God, the Godhead, the three-in-one God, the triune God. And that God has this great plan for us to take us out of darkness into light. And we see that while we're saved, oftentimes, it's difficult to reckon or calculate what on earth is going on because you get saved. You believe on Christ. As I mentioned, you realize your sin nature. You realize your need for a savior. You say, okay, fine, Lord, here it is. I believe on you. I have faith on you. I have faith in you. And then what happens? the flesh starts warring against you. The devil starts warring against you. It seems like your world's collapsing and you don't understand. You thought, Hey, I got saved. I should be living in victory, right? You hear preachers talk about that. And that is a true thing. And I wish I had time to get into that, but living in victory is not how many Christians feel today. Many Christians feel defeated, pushed around, condemned, ostracized, depressed, struggling, stressed, uh, sick and all these things. And you say, Oh my goodness, what happened? Well, first of all, biblically, historically, when you read about those saints of God in the Bible, many of them didn't really have great cushy lives. I mean, you read about David, you know, and especially when Saul was trying to kill him and all of the craziness that went on before he he established the kingdom there. He didn't exactly have a just buttery smooth ride. He was living pretty harsh. And that's a man after God's own heart. Look at Job. Uh, he had to face many difficulties, and he was uh, perfect before God. Look look at all of uh, the saints of God and what they suffered. Uh, many of them suffered greatly. And so we understand here that suffering uh, is part of the Christian experience and that uh, Paul writes about this in Romans 8, that if we're going to suffer with Christ, we'll then be rewarded with him. And we also see in Romans 8 that, that part of this is, that we can clear up today, that we can help uh, understand, uh, that I could maybe help people understand here today, is it's normal to go through trials and tribulations, and the Bible addresses that. Romans 8, 23, and not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. And so what I'm getting at here today uh, is, is uh, well, at the end of the message, I'm going to get at the praise that God is due for this plan. But right now, what I want you to understand is that we get the Holy Spirit and yet we still have more to come. And that more to come is that redemption of our body. And that is when we have, as Elcott puts it in his commentary, complete and final salvation from sin and death. And so right now we're still in a mortal body. And so you have these two things that don't mix uh, that are fighting with one another. Uh, you have oil and water. You could put it like that. Uh, you have fire and ice, whatever you want to say. You have two things that don't mix, and they're fighting with one another, the flesh and the spirit. And we are we have the Holy Spirit, which uh, we are sealed into the day of redemption. That's the day we get our resurrected body. And we have this current um, shell, if you will, uh, this current... Uh, body that we have, that we wear, that we live in, and that one is mortal, amen. Uh, I'm getting in my 40s now, a few years into my 40s, and it's not as fun as my 30s, and it's not as fun as my 20s, and uh, just like the energy levels and and the aches and pains and the random stuff that goes on, Uh, and look, I I get it. Some saints of God are in their 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, and and I'm starting to get the picture that it doesn't get any easier physically as we get older. Uh, and that we have to really take care of ourselves and that our body is a temple of the Lord and so we need to take care of ourselves. And I'm starting to learn that lesson more and more as I get older and I understand that this body is not going to be in heaven, that this physical body is not. The spirit will be there. My soul will be there, but this physical body will, will be shed, uh, this mortal body will be shed for an immortal body. First Corinthians 15, 42 through 44 So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and a spiritual body. So Paul's telling us in 1 Corinthians 15, 42 through 44, that there's something we need to understand. There's a principle we need to understand that the natural body will be natural and will do what a natural body does, which is decay, uh, for lack of a better word, and go downhill. And there is a spiritual body which will never do that. Uh, Philippians 3.21, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. So see how it's written in Philippians 3. We have a vile body. I mean, I'm sure someone was listening to this. Maybe someone that's very healthy thinking, oh, speak for yourself. My body is great, you know, or a bodybuilder or something. Look, it says here, Philippians 3.21, we have a vile body and that it may be fashioned unto us. His glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. So this is through God's power alone that he is going to subdue the flesh and this mortal body and bring us into a glorious body as Christ has in his resurrected body. Matthew 22, 30. For in the resurrection they neither they neither marry nor are given to marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. So we will no longer be in a same um Mortal body that we are now, but we will be uh, like an angel of God in heaven who, as I understand it, never dies. Malachi 317, and they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. Well, we see here that God's plan is that in that day, we will be like a jewel to him and we will be spared. Amen. And a jewel isn't going to be vile, right? A jewel isn't going to be broken. Uh, You know, a jewel isn't going to be marred with imperfections. He's God. And so the coming redemption of our body uh, is a wonderful time and it will take place. And Lord knows, I believe it's going to take place very soon. And when it does take place, we will shed this mortal, decaying, deteriorating body. And we will shed this sinful flesh and those desires and those um, issues that we have for this immortal body, for perfection. And I truly believe this because I, I don't trust myself that much, you know. I pray to God, Lord, uh, you know I'm saved. I'm going to be in your heaven. I really hope I don't sin there, Lord. I hope I don't mess up, you know. I'm one of those that that uh, that I doubt my even my myself, you know. And the Lord has comforted me, letting me know that hey, when you're in heaven, you have an immortal body. It's impossible for you to sin. That sin won't even enter heaven. That we won't have that in our uh, DNA because we've accepted Christ as Savior and we are a new creature and the old things are passed away and while we have that earnest of the inheritance and the holy spirit living within us today we will have that fullness or we will be fully God uh feel fully with God and like God in heaven amen and so what does this all mean it means that we were purchased under God's great plan so we were literally bought by God. We are purchased by God. And he wants us to know that, that this wasn't something that he gave us that's frivolous. Salvation is something that's very serious, that he had to send his only begotten son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins. And that when we accept Christ as Savior, we are now his. We are owned by him. Paul literally calls himself a prisoner of Christ or to Christ. And when we look at ourselves in that light, it should instill great meekness and humility in us to realize that whatever God's called us to do, and maybe it's a small thing, maybe it's a big thing, whatever it is, we should do it and we should praise him for it. And we should show forth praise to him for what he's done for us. 1 Peter 2.9, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so as we wrap up this third part of the three-part message on Ephesians 1, uh, 13 through 14, and the idea of this earnest of the deposit of the Holy Spirit, uh, the idea that we have the Holy Spirit as a sign of things to come, as a comforter, as a way to live as a Christian, as a discerner, as uh, one that is with us at all times and will never leave us nor forsake us, uh, as basically Christ, Uh, that's how we have Christ. Remember, uh, the disciples are very sad when Christ had to go to heaven. He said, look, you'll be glad because when I go to heaven, I'm going to send you the comforter and it's going to be much better for you. So what should we do? We should praise God for his plan. You know, we cannot praise God enough. Uh, you know, we need to praise God day and night, Psalm 22, 3 tells us that God inhabits the praise of his people. So we need to praise God and thank him for what he's done for us and for his great plan and for what's to come. If we have the Holy Spirit now and it has literally changed our lives, how much more so should we thank God for what is to come in the future and for his word that explains this to us so clearly? Thank him today. Give him praise. Give him honor. Give him glory. And if you want to give him praise, you want to show him you love him, live by how he's called you to live. Get rid of that sin in your life and live for him. Be sold out to God. I thank you so much for listening. Take care. God bless and amen.